Despite the dangers of war, many winemakers have continued to operate, buoyed by the growing demand for local wines. People want to buy local. The Rise of Ukraine's Wartime Wines was written by Nils Adler and read by me, Pete Ferrand. Roman Daniliak, a towering 55-year-old winemaker with white hair and weather-beaten skin, looks out over his six-hectare vineyard. For a long time, he felt that Friends Winery, which he co-owns with his friend, Myron Zvosky, nestled among the scenic undulating hills surrounding the city of Lviv in western Ukraine, had never been fully accepted by winemakers from the warmer climes of southern and eastern Ukraine more traditionally associated with winemaking. Over the past decade, he says, warmer weather, which he attributes to climate change, had transformed the rich Ukrainian soil in his region into the perfect environment for growing fast-ripening grapes. This change in climate had encouraged the pair to start a vineyard nine years ago and produce wine, a hobby they turned into a business four years later. In the West, there is now a burgeoning community of small-scale wineries. However, this had done little to raise the region's profile in an industry reverential to reputation and tradition. That was until February 24, 2022, when Russia launched a large-scale invasion of the country. Before this date, the Ukraine wine community was very divided. Now, no one cares where you are from, he says adamantly. We are one big winemaking community. Since Russia invaded Ukraine, the traditional winemaking regions in the south and east of the country have found themselves on the front lines, with many wineries, such as Chateau Kurin near Kherson, a port city in southern Ukraine, falling into Russian hands. Others have been damaged by missile attacks, such as the Cassia family winery near Kiev. The country's largest bottle producer, Vetropak Gostomol in Kiev, was also heavily damaged in February 2022. However, despite the dangers of war, many winemakers have continued to operate, ensuring that the nascent Ukrainian wine industry, buoyed by growing demand, has continued to flourish. Wine lovers, in turn, spurred on by patriotism and sommeliers' recommendations, are ditching foreign wines and opting for local producers. The Russian troops destroyed the vineyards around Kherson, Deniliak says with a resigned shrug of his shoulders, adding that, when some of them were liberated, the owners found much of the stock had been looted. Deniliak pulls out his phone to show a special digital credit card to which winemakers with a national association donate money on the same day every month. This is for winemakers who are now fighting on the front line, he says with pride in his voice. Several winemakers and sommeliers have reportedly been killed in fighting since the outbreak of the war. The Association of Winemakers had recently gathered enough money to buy a camouflage military transport vehicle for the winemakers fighting around the front-line town of Mykolaiv in southern Ukraine. It lasted exactly one month before a volley of bullets rendered it useless. The Niliak says they will continue to raise money for combat gear and transport equipment and that sommeliers hold tasting sessions to donate the proceeds to the account. In 2014, the Ukrainian wine industry lost 61,780 hectares of vineyards, which were mainly for producing semi-sweet and dessert wines and made up roughly half the country's production capacity. In Crimea, after Russia annexed the Black Sea Peninsula in a referendum rejected by the international community. 
The Neliak says it was a major blow to a country rediscovering a wine-drinking culture that had largely disappeared during the Soviet period between 1922 and 1991. He walks past two long wooden tables used to host wine-tasting sessions for tourists, squinting as he leaves the warehouse and heads into the blinding sunlight reflected off a fresh layer of snow. He points in an easterly direction to a city called Viniki, roughly ten kilometers from central Lviv, which translates as wine. The name is a nod, he says, to the country's historical connection to wine. More than one hundred years ago there was lots of wine produced here, he explains. We had many different indigenous grapes we are rediscovering now. Legend has it King Charles Twelfth of Sweden would only drink Ukrainian wine. According to Daniliak, these wines disappeared for two reasons. One was colder weather that swept through the regions of Ukraine in the 20th century, ruining the climate for many of these grapes. The second was a lack of a competitive wine culture in the Soviet period, when there was an emphasis on cheap vodka or wine produced in bulk. In the Soviet Union, People only used to consume vodka. People had less money and so bought what was cheap, says Daniliak, who was 23 when Ukraine became an independent country in 1991. But when the Soviet Union collapsed, people started again traveling again, experiencing foreign wines. In a swanky wine bar in central Lviv, 49-year-old winemaker Maxim Kichma sits hunched on a wooden stool. Behind him, Ukrainian wines including bottles of Merlot and Cabernet Sauvignon, line the countless wooden shelves. A waitress guides people to their tables, handing them a pamphlet that reads, Proud of Ukrainian Wine, and has a QR code for customers to place their order. Kichma owns Yanchin Hills, a small winery in the region that produces red, white, and rosé wines. Like Daniliak, he struggled to convince customers that the Lviv region had the right climate for a good wine. Since it wasn't recognized as one of the southern wine-growing regions like Nikolaev, Kherson and Odessa, or Dnipro in central Ukraine, he could not apply for government subsidies. Climate change simply moved faster than government legislation, he says with a wry smile. Ukrainian wines, in general, he says, have also suffered from an image problem. There are a lot of preconceptions about Ukrainian wine, and until recently, many Ukrainians also thought a foreign wine would be better, he explains. Kichma says this was partly caused by a tendency among Soviet-era wineries to value quantity over quality. Victoria Didor, a 22-year-old working at the bar behind him, agrees. I have been a sommelier for three years now, but when I began, I had negative prejudgments of Ukrainian wine, she says. She holds up her phone, which she had been frantically typing on a few moments earlier. I've actually been holding a live Instagram session about Ukrainian wines and convincing people to overcome their preconceptions. The session, held in Ukrainian, had been filled with curious people who wanted to support national winemakers after hearing that many of the vineyards in the South had been occupied or damaged. However, they were unsure if Ukrainian wine which many had considered a cheaper and less refined option, could be as good as foreign wines. 
In response, she explained that there are many established Ukrainian wines on the international market and that the local market is eclectic, offering homegrown alternatives to well-known grape varieties like Chardonnay or Riesling, but also unique experimental ones. Didor says that since the war began, Ukrainians have been keen to support products made in Ukraine. When many vineyards were destroyed or occupied, sales of local wines in restaurants shot up. Before the war, wines from France, Italy, and Georgia were the most popular. Now, she says, approximately 60% of the bar's sales are Ukrainian wines. Kitschma explains that demand for Ukrainian wine was, in part, due to wartime restrictions on foreign wine imports, which were not considered critical products and faced huge weights at the borders. The Ukrainian currency, the hryvnia, also fell in value, so many people switched to buying more affordable Ukrainian wine. Still, he says, the shift was largely driven by a growing national self-esteem, which led people to opt for homegrown products, including wine. We are now beginning to realize our worth, he says firmly. Vasil Torsky, a 19-year-old with a ponytail, serves customers at a Lviv-based beer and wine shop. Outside, a new petrol-run generator sits idle, ready to kick in if a power cut sweeps through the area. Toski estimates that around four in every ten customers buying wine will opt for a Ukrainian wine, compared with about two out of ten before the war. He also says there is a sense that Ukrainian wine and local craft beer are in demand, a fact reflected in the noticeably snazzy labels. War, he says, has changed the perception of these brands, which now appear more attractive and innovative than many foreign brands and make young people want to buy local. Torsky picks up a bottle of Montecotti, a red wine from the Zakarpatia region bordering Hungary, Slovakia, and Romania in southwestern Ukraine that costs about $3. Its label has an abstract illustration of a cat surrounded by rolling hills and falling cherries. This is my favorite, he says, tapping the glass. It's got a clear and vivid taste. Anna Tokachuk, the 36-year-old bar manager of Artania Bar in the trendy neighborhood of Podil in Kiev, pulls off the pair of black disposable gloves she wore to cut cheese and takes out a bottle of semi-sweet red wine from a glass cabinet. It is her favorite wine, Kara Kerman, named after a mythical fortress. It is produced by Bekush, located on the picturesque sun-beaten Bekush Bay by the Black Sea and known for its experimental varieties. Kara Kerman is a smoky, chocolatey wine made using a method in which grapes are air-dried to concentrate the flavor. She pours a small amount into the wine glass and insists that I taste some. A lot of foreigners did not know we had great Ukrainian wine, she says. Sasha Shmigelskaya, a 19-year-old waitress, explains that the Bekush vineyards are precariously close to the front line around Mykolaiv in southern Ukraine. The 2022 and 2023 batches are already harvested under shelling and with missiles flying over the vineyards, she says. God hopes this will end soon and the winery can remain fully functional. The Kiev-based bar closed on February 24, 2022, and only reopened this January. Since reopening, Tkachuk says she has already seen a considerable increase in people wanting to taste and buy Ukrainian wines. Anna Konstantina, a 36-year-old working at an upscale restaurant in Kiev, politely guides customers to their tables. She is originally from the eastern city of Donetsk, which was occupied in 2014 by Russian-backed separatists. 
She says ever since she was displaced nine years ago, promoting Ukrainian wine has been a source of national pride. Her home used to be located near a 250,000-square-meter expanse of caves under Bakhmut, a front-line city now at the epicenter of months of bloody fighting, which contains hundreds of thousands of sparkling wines. Now, she says, people in Kyiv feel the same way she did and want to support local brands. Oleksandr Lyashenko, 35, a sommelier based in Kyiv, says that many of his colleagues have worked hard to popularize Ukrainian wine and reverse negative stereotypes over the years. Lyashenko, who has featured Ukrainian wines in his wine-tasting sessions, says this approach has succeeded partly because people appreciate the unique taste of some Ukrainian wines. Ukrainian winemakers were trying to produce commercial products following the examples of French and Italian vineyards, using similar grapes and attempting to emulate the same tastes, but now wines are made with a particular local twist. Lyashenko gives the example of Kolonist, which he says is the country's most popular winemaker, and produces a range he describes as black wine, created from a grape variety called Odessa Black, which was bred in the latter half of the 20th century. This red wine is often served at Ukrainian embassies worldwide, according to Lyashenko. Daniliak says that many tourists he has hosted at his vineyard have commented on the unique taste that emerges from the black soil, with some likening it to poppy flowers. Tkachuk says that the owner of Artania Bar has received many requests from European countries for Ukrainian wine. Before February 24, 2022, Ukraine imported $164 million worth of wine, but only exported $10.6 million. Moreover, about 20% of those exports were to neighboring Belarus, a country used as a staging post for Russia's attempt to take Kyiv in the early months of the war and no longer trading with Ukraine. Lyashenko says that foreigners are often surprised to learn that the Odessa region is on roughly the same geographical latitude as Bordeaux in France, or wine-growing regions in northern Italy such as Piedmont, meaning that Ukraine enjoys similar climate conditions for growing ideal winemaking grapes. Tkachuk believes that demand will soon follow if people can taste Ukrainian wine abroad. We have the perfect climate here with especially fertile land and unique grapes, she says with pride in her voice. Constantina agrees. She pulls at a worn piece of metal, part of the last batch produced at the Azovstal steelworks before the full-scale invasion attached to a string bracelet on her wrist. The steelworks had become the last holdout for Ukrainian forces protecting the southern port city of Mariupol and had become a symbol of Ukrainian bravery. Her bracelet is a symbol of that perseverance. Ukrainian winemakers will show a similar resilience, she explains, fiddling with her bracelet. For Tkachuk, nothing can stop the Ukrainian wine industry, which has already lost so much land since 2014. Even if Russia continues to occupy the vineyards with our rich soil, we will just continue to grow new ones, she says matter-of-factly.